As I said last week, we're going to start a series that we're going to run for <clears throat> this month, you know, talking about 2020 vision. I mean, you know, as I said, when you're in the year 2020, something about that and vision just kind of go together. How many of you love it when you have 2020 vision? When you go to the doctor and they say, hey, you see perfectly. Well, you know, we should all desire to have clear vision for the year that lies ahead. And so I've given today's message the, the, the title, Seeing the Road Ahead. We should have a clear vision for the road ahead. Some of you may be here and you may be blessed with great vision, but now I'm talking about spiritual vision. Others may be here and you may need a little correction, a little help with your vision. You know, I think Pastor Nate nailed it perfectly. Sometimes we need a little spiritual optometry, right? Need a little bit of correction of our vision. And so the question I want you to ask yourself is, are you really seeing things as clearly as you think you do? And ask yourself, what areas of vision for this next year do I need cleared up a little bit? Because the truth is, by even calling ourselves Christians, we are saying that we identify with Christ. But how clear is our vision of what that actually means? Some have a definition of what it means to be a Christian. To me, that is not a biblical definition of what it means to be a Christian. I I ran across a deal where there was a survey done that was asked that question to a group of people. What is a Christian? How many know that anytime things like that are asked, there are some responses that make you scratch your head a little bit, right? But here's some, here's some responses that were given. A person who is not Jewish or a foreigner or a follower of another religion. A person who is born in a Christian country. A person raised by Christian parents. A person who goes to church. A person who eats communion. A person who reads the Bible. A person who does to others what they want done to them. And I guess kind of my favorite one of all, not that it's right, but just really struck me as funny, was a person who follows a certain set of values and does not have any fun. But I was thinking about all those. Out of all of that, and I'm not going to say there weren't some that answered correctly, but out of all that, where was Jesus mentioned in this? Where was the, the idea of accepting his gift of salvation and understanding the sacrifice that was made to provide for that? Where is the desire to follow his direction for this year and every year after that? See, but this is the world we live in. Christians are stereotyped. We hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. People make statements like that, that they're, from their standpoint, we're just weak, hypocritical people that have no place in the modern world. That seems to be the prevailing thought of today. You hear people that refer to Jesus as a good teacher or a good life coach. And instead of being a true follower of Jesus, they have it more of the standpoint like we follow people on Twitter and Facebook. Because we can click a little button and say, I'm following them. No, you're not. You're kind of observing some of the things they're doing. You're not following them anywhere. 
So we should be a follower of Christ. Sometimes I almost hesitate to use the word Christian, even though that's what it means, because so many people don't understand what there is. I almost prefer to say I'm a Christ follower. Does going to church occasionally make you a Christian? Is this really what it means, what Jesus meant in John 10, 10, when he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly? See, it's a real question. To me, a real Christian is a person that has a one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something at a distance. It's a personal relationship. They have a relationship with God the Father that was restored and provided for them by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Their life is led and guided by the Holy Spirit that is active in speaking into their lives and giving them direction. To me, that is the definition of a real Christian. But apparently, if you and I believe these things to be true, we're brain damaged. A brother sent me a picture. And it has it's of an article that was, that was on there. And according to the Journal of Neuropsychology, that they did a study, and, it's, and it was published in partic- that particular areas of the prefrontal cortex, according to this article, have diminished cognitive flexibility and openness, if you're a fundamental believer. According to the article, this dis- diminishes our sense of curiosity. It diminishes our creativity and our open-mindedness. So you and I are brain-damaged. You know, the funny thing to me is just because they, they make themselves feel better by people saying what they want to hear that have extra letters behind their name doesn't make it real. It doesn't make it the truth. See, many believers who trust in Jesus their Savior often speak of coming from darkness into the light. That, that you know, we are open. We're not closed-minded. We're just more open to a greater purpose than, about things than they are. Because I don't see this place as my final destination. I don't see this being all that there is to my existence. To me, there's so much more. So what defines being a real Christian? What defines being a true follower of Christ? I believe that there are people that clearly see the truth that so many others are blind to. That they seek His vision and His purpose for their lives. They view each coming year as a chance to walk more closely according to his vision for our lives and his direction and his guidance. So in essence, I boiled it down to one thought. Being a real follower of Christ means you're going where he's leading. I know that sounds kind of difficult to comprehend, but that's all there is to it. It means we're going where he's leading. And 2020 should all be all about for all of us focusing on the essentials, making a determination that I'm going to follow where he leads. I talked last week about how that, you know, this time of year you hear all of these uh, New Year's resolutions and the number one thing for, the number one at the top of the list is, is losing weight. I mean, it's that way every year. 
And I'm not going to say it's not on my agenda too. Even though I had a pretty good year last year, I hit the holiday season. Well, we were going to this party and that party and that get together. I think it was like three nights in a row we ate brisket. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that that's got to be somewhere in my priorities, but that doesn't need to be the top of my list. The top of my list needs to be, Lord, what is your vision for my life for this year? Proverbs 16, 9 says this, and I think this will help us. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So I began to think through that, and I came up with three things I think we need to look at. Number one, we need to have a vision test. Every time my driver's license comes up for renewal, since I broke the 50 mark, and now I'm on the other side of the 55 mark, Every time that time comes, you go in, you turn your live driver's license, you begin to give them this, and they point at this little machine, and they say, okay, look in there. I have to say, the older I get, the little more, there's just a little bit of nervousness of peeking in there, because part of me is saying, is this the year that all of a sudden I need a little vision correction to be able to have my driver's license renewed? So far, so good. But I do notice that I either have to do a tablet with big letters now or I have to wear reading glasses if I'm looking at something. I'm great at distance. But we all need vision correcting, correction. And so there should be a vision test involved. You know, vision, believe it or not, vision is important when driving. Someone that's vision impaired shouldn't. And as humans, we function best when we let God be in the driving seat. Maybe our pride doesn't like it. Maybe in reality, but the truth is, maybe in reality, we don't see so well. If we're honest, every one of us at some point in time probably has chosen to shove God out of the way and say, scoot over, I got this. Scary, scary words. Can I say this? Concerning our lives, any time we take the driver's seat, the driver is vision impaired. Let that sink in. Any time we take the driver's seat, the driver is vision impaired. We need to test our vision. Imagine for a moment, and I thought about this analogy. Imagine for a moment, you're at the place that you are driving an old beat up vehicle and it's, I mean, it's, it's time is done. And, and you know that it's time is done. And you know that you can no longer depend on it to get it from this point to that point. And so you scrape together some cash and you say, you know what? I have got to go buy something that at least is a little bit of an upgrade from here. 
And you know, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to find this probably not going to look too good, but I need something that at least runs and that's a, that you know can get me from point A to point B. I need something that that is a little more dependable than what I've got that I can kind of trust a little bit. And so you scrape together some cash and you begin your search for a vehicle. And while you're out there looking, just you know you shouldn't, but for some reason you decide, you know what, I'm going to just walk over here and glance at the new vehicles. And man, they're shiny. They're pretty. The fenders are still straight. The bumper's still clean. And the paint job, oh, it's gorgeous. And you begin to drool over it a little bit. I mean, you look at it, and it's got every technological feature you can imagine. It's got remote ignition. It's got heated and cooled seats. It's got collision avoidance. It's got the, the new 360 vision that you that you see advertised. We can look on the little screen. You can see everything that's all around your vehicle clearly, even if it's your blind spot. I mean, it's so decked out that even your cup holders heat and cool your drink. I mean, you're just drooling. You fall in love with it. You're like, man, boy, if only I could get this, man, I'd be be safe here. It would definitely get me from point A to point B. It's got all the latest navigation and stuff. I wouldn't ever get lost. And and it has all of these things. Man, this this is what I'm looking for, but... There's no way. Then all of a sudden you find out there's been a special promotion. There's a special deal. And you're shocked when you find out that there's such a special promotion for the one that you're looking at. That a way has been made that what you have is enough. Talk about a God moment. Talk about grace beyond measure. So you're excited. You look at that few hundred dollars you got, and you look at that, you're like, sold. So you go through the process, and they put the keys in your hand. You get in it, man. You start it up. I mean, you didn't even have to pump the pedal. You didn't have to, I mean, you started it. it, it Matter of fact, you didn't have to put the key in there. It had a remote start. You just stand off a distance. Oh, this is cool. And it starts. And you get in, and you, and you drive home, and you're excited. You pull into your driveway. You get out. And all of a sudden, you say, you know, I don't need all that special stuff to help me drive from where I need to go. I know how to drive. And you go in and you begin to disable every single one of those features. I'm just going to drive the way that I've always driven. The way that got me every single bump, dent, and scratch on that old vehicle (laughs) that proves the proficiency of my driving capabilities. But I don't need that stuff. I'm going to turn all this stuff off and I'm going to drive it myself. How foolish is that when a way has been made? 
But how often do we do that in our own spiritual life? God has made the way. He's given us his grace. He's provided things for us to help us get where we need to get in life at great expense to himself. There's no way we could ever afford it. There's no way we could ever do it. But yet too many times we say, Lord, I want to drive myself. I can do this myself. I can see things. I don't need the 360 vision. I don't need the collision avoidance because I can can see it all. My I got, man, I see it clearly. No, you don't. We get ourselves in trouble when we think that somehow, you know, we do these things in, in a spiritual way. We do this stuff all the time. It sounds crazy when you put it in some practical sense, but again and again, we do these things. We want to say, Jesus, take the will when we get ourselves in a bind. Wouldn't it be much better to, for the moment we start out say, Lord, you just drive. You drive. You, I'll sit over here in the passenger seat. I'll let you guide and give direction. So I was thinking about that. Which of these statements describes your approach to 2020? I hope no one falls in the category of this first one. I find it best to drive with a blindfold and fingers in my ears. I'm behind the wheel, but, you know, occasionally I'll look over and ask for directions. God has the wheel, but my foot's on the brake. Right? God, I will go. Oh, not that way. I'm going to tap the brakes on this one. Our Lord, I've given you the wheel to drive every detail of my life. Now, probably every one of us aren't completely there. We all have areas that we need to work on, but that should be our goal. And as we step into this year, we need a vision test. We need to truly assess ourselves and say, where am I at? How much am I letting him drive? How much am I letting him be in control? Because from childhood, we're taught to to do it ourselves. We're taught to be independent. And we like making decisions ourselves. And too many times, we don't want to let him lead. Too many times, we think, we mistakenly think that we can make a better decision than he can. Lord, I give you my life, but let me decide who I'm going to marry. Lord, I give you my life, but I want to pick my career. Lord, I give you my life, but, but I, I, I want to decide where I live. Lord, I give you my life, but I'm going to pick a church that makes me feel good, not one where I can plug in and serve and be a part of helping in advance. Let me ask you a question. How many times in Scripture do we see stories where somebody makes a major mistake, they make a choice or decision, and it's followed with the words, but they failed to inquire of the Lord. 
See, there are decisions in life that should not be made by our preference. To me, who we marry should be number one in that list. Because you're talking about a life partner. You're talking about somebody that's going to either help you step closer to God or they're going to be something that draws you away. And that better be a smart, smart choice. You talk about your career. Yes, God gave you dreams. God gave you giftings. God gave you abilities. But you know what? He also has a plan for your life, and he's not so stupid that he didn't make you with the abilities that you have and the plan that he has for your future where they don't line up. And I'm telling you, you will never, ever feel more fulfilled than when you're walking in the midst of his will. Now, does that mean that everything's peachy keen and that there's never difficulties? No, trust me, there's difficulties. But you know what? The nice thing about knowing that you're in the center of God's will is when you face difficulties, he's already seen those things coming and he already knows how he's going to work it out on your behalf. Why would you even think about entertaining walking into a new year without knowing what his vision for your life is? Proverbs 29:18 says this, says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The King James says, without vision, the people perish. So what I want to make, what I'm saying here is I'm getting back to this key point. Being a real follower of Christ means going where he is leading. If you're headed this way and he's headed that way, you're headed the wrong way. It's pretty simple. So then I thought about a spiritual GPS. Aren't GPS GPS systems great? except when they're not. (laughs) I mean, most of the time, they take you right to where you're supposed to be. We we, um, went on a trip, and, and we were headed to visit somebody that had been a part of church here that had moved up to Oklahoma, and they lived lived on a 300 and something acre piece of property, and, and we were following to get there, and this, because this is in the middle of nowhere, and, and they kept saying, the GPS won't get you there, or you have to look for this, but the crazy thing is, we get, get there, and the GPS even had us go down the right little trail, dirt road, that there was this private road, and I mean, pulled up right to the front door, I was like, that's pretty cool. But then I've seen the opposite. We were searching for a restaurant. Like one time we were looking, we decided we want a red lobster. We were out and we said, and, we, and so we put in red lobster and it showed there one that far away and we followed right to it. And we found ourselves look, standing at a house. <laughs> I don't think this is red lobster. <laughs> I had a friend recently tell me that they were on a trip and put in the coordinates where they were going and they were driving and looked like they were heading in the right direction and all of a sudden they pulled up to the edge of a bank of a river. And there was a road on the other side, but there was no bridge between. (laughs) So sometimes they let us down. But you know what? There is something comforting 
about when you're going along and you miss your turn. And all of a sudden you hear the word rerouting. In other words, just saying, I know that you missed that turn. I know that you're off course, but hold on. I'm going to get you back on track. See, when we trust the Lord's vision, when we let him guide our lives, even when we mess up, even when we miss our turn, even when we fall down, even when things happen, he knows how to reroute us and get back on track to where he intended us to be in the first place. And we can't do that by ourselves. See, GPS technology is flawed, but God isn't. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't want to go anywhere that I've never been before without that capability. It's just there's something counter about it. But the truth is, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't want to do life without God's voice leading me. Amen. Moses felt the same way. You know, we're all probably pretty familiar with the story how that God performed all the miracles and set the people of Israel free and they're, they're out in the wilderness and, and God's miraculously done all these things and Moses is up on top of Mount Sinai and he's having this incredible encounter with God and while he's up there, the people get bored and all of a sudden they build this golden calf and they begin to worship an idol right there with God on top of the mountaintop. I still can't wrap my head around that one. But they did. And God makes this statement. He, he tells Moses, he says, you know what? He says, I'm done with them. I, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically what he's saying. If I go with them any further, I will probably destroy them. So I'm going to send an angel instead to lead them. I love what Moses said in Exodus 33, 14 and 15. And he said... Talking about God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And the reason he said that is because basically Moses had said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up out of here. In other words, Moses told God, if you ain't going, I ain't either. That's the Texan translation. See, the truth is, if you're not following the way maker to chart your way, why are you even considering that direction? I don't know about you guys. You guys may have it all together. I don't. Sometimes I take a wrong turn. Sometimes I bypass. Sometimes I turn the wrong way. Sometimes I, may, I try, but sometimes I make a mistake. And there is something comforting when the Holy Spirit speaks and says, you know what, that's okay. Let me just reroute you a little bit and I'll get you back on the course where you're supposed to be. I love that about His grace. To me, that's one of the most beautiful things is we're never so far off course that he can't bring us back to where we're supposed to be. Maybe you followed God in years past, or maybe this is all new to you. But I want you to understand this morning, God is concerned with the details of your everyday life. 
He's not sitting at some distance somewhere just managing the big picture and you're just some little dot running around that he doesn't know anything about. He knows about it. Matter of fact, Scripture tells us that he knows even the number of hairs on your head. That they're numbered. He cares. He understands. He leads. He's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And so as I thought about that, I want you to understand something. I don't have it all together. Like I said, maybe you do, but I don't. But I have found the secret to doing life here on earth. You ready for it? My secret is this. I need God. I can't make it alone. I need God to help me be kind because sometimes I don't want to be kind. Sometimes I want to respond in kind, if you know what I'm saying. I need God to help me love because sometimes that person is not someone I'm feeling much emotional care for at the moment. I need God to help me give because sometimes there are things for his kingdom that needs to be done and I look at something he's blessed me with and there's a big part of me that wants to use it for my own pleasure. I told you, you guys may, but I don't have it all together. But also, I have a philosophy. I'm not going to ask you guys to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. Pastor Nate talked about giving towards the advancement of the kingdom. That is a life principle that we've practiced, and we've practiced for years. And you know what? I can't say we always have an abundance. I will say this. We've never been without Because I put him first, even when I don't feel like it. And he's there again and again and again. You know, we recently went on a trip to Galveston in November, and we were headed down 45 south, and we're cruising along. And, and you know, that's one of those trips that you kind of think, you know what, I... I, got, I, know, I know exactly how to get there. Man, if I just stay on this highway... I've got it. And I can't remember even why we did, but for some reason we were maybe a little unsure about something. And, and I remember Kim was sitting there, she pulled up the GPS, and it, it made us take this exit. And I'm like, why in the world are we taking this exit? When it's a straight shot. But then we thought, well, maybe it sees something we don't see. So we took the exit, and we went over, and we took this little road, and down by this warehouse, and over this, and I mean, it was this way out of the way route of getting there. And eventually, it gets us back on the highway we were on in the first place. (laughs) But come to find out, there was an accident, and there were some blockages that were in the way. There were some barriers to us getting where we wanted to be in the time and manner we wanted to get there. And even though it took us out of the way, we found out it knocked like 30 minutes off of our trip. How many times does God lead us? And we we think, man, I know. I know how to get there. I know where I'm going. And all of a sudden, he takes us in this roundabout way. We're we're going along, and we're like, well, why, why this way? Lord, 
Man, this is crazy. It'd been so much easier to go. But you know what? There are things that he sees and knows and understands that are obstacles. And in this case, the best thing we can do is trust. The spiritual GPS. I'm changing the name of it to God's pathway system. If we'll just trust him, let him have the vision and follow him, we'll get where we're supposed to be because being a real follower of Christ means going where he is leading. My biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life is when I decided I knew what I wanted more than he did. Those are the ones that for much you walk around trying to kick yourself in your tail. I'm not that flexible anymore. So my last thought is this. Why trust? Why trust? We should trust because of his nature. You know, there are people in your life, I could probably ask, say right now, who do you trust? Who would you trust with just about anything in your life? And probably there's somebody you could think of, and it's because of that person who's been there for you. They have a track record. You know that you can trust them because they have a history of being faithful. Or maybe it's somebody that you know that's been on a journey before that you haven't been on, and this is all new to you, and you say, you know what, at least I know their experience, and so I'm going to trust their guidance in this area. Whatever that is, all of that, God's nature, God's having been there, he knows the way, and so why in the world would we ever even consider trying to do something on our own? Psalms 37, 23 says this, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. I don't know about you, I like that. I look at that as a promise. How great is that? If I delight in his way, I delight in his purposes. If I say not just when I'm in trouble, but every day, Lord, you take the wheel that I know that he's going to establish my steps. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. That even when things happen that I don't like, that are difficulties, or I'm thinking that somehow I'm taking the long way to get there, Lord, that promise you made me seem so simple, so easy. Why are we going this route? He knows why. Sometimes it's because there's some things he needs to work out in us. We need to accept that we need him. We need to understand his nature. And here's the truth. If you get anything, get this. He longs to guide you to safety. He came and excruciatingly endured the cross so that you could make it home safely. What an insult to say, no, thank you, Lord. I can drive it myself. See, there are two extreme views of God I believe that are wrong. Some say God is just an impersonal force with no interest in our daily lives. That's a lie. Others say God is a celestial Santa Claus that's there to give us our heart's desires. And if we could just muster enough faith, if we could just put together the right formula of faith, we can almost twist his arm into giving us everything we want. 
Both of those are the opposite extremes and they're lies. What God is, is a very personal God and he cares about you and he desires to lead you in a right way. He has a purpose. He has a plan, but he has given you a free will and a free choice. And you can make a determination of whether or not you want him to drive or whether or not you want to drive or whether or not you want to follow his path or follow your own path. And we serve and follow him. We'll come out on the right side every single time. That doesn't mean you'll land where you want to go. But it means you'll land in the right place. See, we're the ones that need to yield to his will. So we don't have to guess. We have his word. He used many writers spread out over many centuries with all of their personalities and all those things. You see those things come through, but yet this is the only book that we have that even though it's 66 different books by all these different authors spread over all these centuries, and yet there's a unity of message. And you can boil it down with this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish have everlasting life that is his goal it was the goal from the beginning it's still the goal today so we can see his nature god created us he created us with a purpose you know you you're pretty incredibly designed think about this he created a planet he created a habitat for us this is an incredible place you know, I know that we see all these things on these different shows and scientists say now there could be so many thousands of Earth-like planets in our own solar system. It's like, yeah, but show me one that you truly discovered that you can prove that that's what it is. It's speculation. They don't know. As far as we know, this is the only place that we have that we can live and it was created as a habitat for us. You're incredibly designed. I laugh so many times when I watch these documentaries and these things on the Nature Channel or Animal Planet or whatever you know it is, and, and they're talking about things, and they'll talk about something, and they'll talk about how that billions of years ago and how it evolved and how it all came from this primordial soup and all these things, and then they'll follow that up with the very next words. They'll say, this creature was so incredibly designed, it can do this. Wait a minute, you just said it was designed when a few minutes ago you were saying it was an accident. Even they, in their own wordings, admit that there was, there was some intellectual design, that, it was, that the parts were made with a purpose. How does that happen by accident? Kind of like a joke I saw about Christmas time. It showed two snowmen standing out there, and they were made and had the carrot nose and all the stuff. And one of them says, the other one says, we weren't created. We were just evolved from snowflakes. How, how ignorant is that going to be when we get there? I mean, just, 
me end with this. God is a person. He's an all-powerful creator. He's alive, and he's approachable, and he's waiting for us to call on him. He sent his son in the world so that we would have access to the throne. He even says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Come to me, all who labor, who are heavenly la- heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're here today and you find your lo- yoke in life heavy, it's because you're trying to carry too much of it yourself. You ever been assigned to do something like, um, I don't know, maybe a pallbearer for a casket or something, and you're, and you're carrying it? You know, yeah, if you want, you can, and you can strain, and you can try to, but you know what? If you relax a little bit and let the others that are supposed to be helping do their part, it's not that hard. I've wondered how many times do we strain and, and pull and push, and it's just because we're trying to get ahead, a little ahead of his pace. We're wearing ourselves out trying to carry something ourselves that we don't have to. He's shown himself to be faithful to us. He created us, and he still speaks. And that same voice wants to guide you in 2020. We've all heard the passage of Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans to give you future and a hope. And that's scriptural. But so many times we quote that and we look past the context of that Scripture. They were in bondage in that moment. Jeremiah sent that as a message saying, You're in bondage and you're in bondage. You're facing these things because... You as a people have rejected God's plans and his purposes, but that's okay because the day is going to come that God's going to work it out and he's going to rescue you and he's going to set you free because he has plans for you, plans for a hope and a future. The good news is sometimes we mess things up in our lives. We find ourselves in bondage in a situation. The great news is that scripture still applies to us today because his whole goal is to give you hope and a future. That is the nature of who he is. Even as, as evil as that, as that nation was at times, he still loved them. He still cared for them. He still did so many things on their behalf if they would allow him. God loves you. And even in the midst of our troubles, it can be hard sometimes for us to see it, but he cares and he knows and he wants to lead you and guide you. See, the truth is, God is holy. You know what's great about that? So many people view view holiness today as this horrible, binding thing. You know what the good news is about God being holy? Is that his nature prevents him from doing evil. And if he provides a promise to you, it's there. It's money in the bank. And he is faithful. So I want to end with this. Going down two verses later in Jeremiah 29. He says, you will seek me and find me. When? So here's the condition. 
when you seek me with all your heart. True seeking requires us to let him drive. True seeking requires us to let him clarify our vision. So I'm going to ask you a question, and we're going to pray. I mentioned some statements earlier. I talked about the ones that were that was driving with a blindfold on and fingers in their ears. Now, I'm praying in a spiritual sense that's none of us here, but it could be. Maybe you're here and you've tried to do things on your own, and you're, and you're completely ignored. Anytime anybody brings anything up about the Bible or God-given direction, you just you, you kind of like the, the person that's, that, I know I'm showing my age here, but the, the, kind of like you're listening to the teacher of Char, on Charlie Brown, wah, 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 and it just doesn't even compute. Or maybe you're here and, and, and you say, well, I do occasionally ask for directions. Or maybe you're like, you know, I, I want him to drive and leave, but I'm still going to have that foot on the brake. Kind of like the driver's ed's cars when I was a kid, that the, that the, the teacher let you behind the wheel, but she still had a brake on the other side. <laughs> she had to use it once on me, I'm just saying. I'm much, much better now. <laughs> Don't ask him, though. But are you the one that's ready to say, Lord, Jesus, take the wheel. Clear up my vision. Lead me, guide me. Not just when I'm in trouble, but every single day. Are you ready to be a real follower of Christ? In other words, if that's where he's headed, that's where I'm going. And that's what I want for us as a church. It's to be a people that will let him clarify our vision. And we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. And that we will say where he is headed, we will go. Let him lead. And I really prayed this week and even this morning. I didn't, I didn't have real clarification on how to do a response because I don't know what kind of altar call to, to give for something like this. But I do know this. This is probably something that speaks to every single one of us. And if you're here and for whatever reason you've been going through life and you've, you've tried to do it all on your own and your own way and everything else and, 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 and you've had this this collision and this accident and all that, and you've got the scars to prove it. Why not try it his way? He's got the best collision avoidance system that there is. So I really thought about it, and I was, as we were doing worship, I thought of one thing, and I know this is a little silly, but sometimes I'm that way. But if this spoke to you today, I want you to grab your key if it's close by. Take it in your hand. If 
if we could have some music, that'd be wonderful. And I want you, if you'd say, Lord, I don't want to be in control anymore. I don't want to navigate life being visually impaired. I give you the driver's seat. And you mean that. I mean, out of any resolution you could make for 2020, this is the greatest one you can make. And if that's you, I want you to take your key. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to just kind of hold it up for a moment. And I want you in your own words, because I can pray for you. But there is something about when we in our own voice and in our own words, out of our own mouths, declare, Lord, I want to follow your vision. I want you to drive. I want you to be in control. I want to serve you. I don't want to follow you. I want you to lead me in the way that I should go because I know if I do that, that it's going to turn out like it's supposed to be. If you don't have a key with you, you can stand. It's okay. He understands. I saw some people looking at I don't have a key. The key is a symbol. I'm going to pray for you, but as I pray for you, I want you with your own words to make a declaration. I want you with your own words to ask him to lead and guide and have control of your life this year. Father, Lord, I lift these people up before you today. Lord, I lift myself up before you today. Lord, I don't always have it together. Sometimes I still try to reach over and grab the wheel when I'm not sure what you're doing. But Lord, I declare myself today, Lord, that that I will do my best to completely yield to you, to to yield to your purpose and your direction and your guidance because you see things that I cannot see. You know what's coming next. Nothing catches you by surprise. And, Lord, any obstacle we face, you've already planned the way around it. And so, Lord, today I give my life to you afresh and anew, and I give you the keys to my life. Lord, I also give you the keys to this church because, Lord, so many of us are affected by what happens in this church. And so, Lord, we declare as a body today, Lord, we submit ourselves to your will and your purpose and your direction. Lord, let not be man-made plans. Let it be your plans and your purpose. Lord, there are things you desire to do and accomplish that we don't even know what to name it. We don't even know what to call it. There are things in our lives that you want to do that we don't even know what it looks like. But Lord, let us know when it's you. Let us hear that voice clearly. Let us yield to it when we hear it. Let us not be so caught up with questions and having to know any detail. Lord, that we trust you because you are worthy of trust. You are holy. You can't go back on your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless each and every person here. Let this be an incredible year for them in their personal lives, in their spiritual lives. And Lord, bless us as a church. Lord, I pray that every aspect of this church that we move forward in you. Lord, and you see those that are out there that need to be connected with this body. Lord, I pray, Lord, some some of us here have connections with people that need to be here and they don't even realize it. 
Help us to be better at responding and speaking when we need to speak and, and drawing people in. And Lord, let us fill these seats that are empty with people that are willing to follow you as we advance your kingdom. Bless us all. Lord, bring us back together this Wednesday. And Lord, that you would have your way in our lives in this year, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.